seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls. Welcome to Right Start with Jim Custer, teaching pastor of Grace Polaris Church in Columbus, Ohio. The judgments of God are perfect, and when the last bowl or vial of his wrath is poured out, those punishments will be complete. We'll look at the lion's share of these judgments on today's program. There's nothing haphazard in these expressions of divine anger. They're not irrational outbursts, but proportional responses to human wickedness. Here's Jim with part two of Heaven and Earth Shall Pass Away. Every part of this world was handcrafted by God, pre-imagined, prefabricated in his thought and his mind, and came into being in an instant, a nanosecond of time, each in its proper order, as carefully described in the first chapter of your Bible. Apart from God, you would not exist. Apart from God, you cannot exist. There is no one in all the universe who can do that but God. I'm telling you that because in the next 20 minutes, we're going to watch God destroy his creation. And when we're finished, I don't want you sitting there thinking, oh, what a nasty God. How can that possibly be a God of love? How could you possibly worship a God like that? But if I stood on Ohio State campus or on the campus of any university, read Genesis chapter 1, and then read two chapters of Revelation, they'd boo me off the platform. But I'm telling you up front, God has a right to destroy what he created. God has a right to hold accountable what only exists because it's his creation. And when his creation is being destroyed by alien enemies. He has a right. And he has a, he has an eternal responsibility to clean house. Are you ready? There are 21 steps to the book of the Revelation which give us the chronology of the 21 judgments of God during a seven-year period. Remember, all of this must take place within seven earth years, less than our calendar, for these are lunar years, 30 days a month. So within a period of seven years, each month 30 days long, all that we're going to talk about now is going to happen. Turn to chapter 6 and fasten your safety belt. We read in chapter 6 that the Lamb, Jesus Christ, who is the creator of all things, takes the scroll from the hand of the one sitting on the throne. The scroll is a title deed. It's a, it's a legal document which declares the proper legal ownership 
of the earth, its environs, its people, and the demonic spirit forces who impact it. That's what it is. And we read beginning in verse 1 that Jesus Christ the Lamb snaps the first seal and a ruler rides out into the human stream destined to rule the world. He's not the true Messiah. He is the false Messiah. But he begins his career only because Jesus directs it. Apart from that direction, he could not do that. He snaps the second seal, and we read that another living creature moves out, a red horse. He's called war. He has, we read, he has a large sword given to him, and he will take peace from the earth. We have a third seal broken in verse 5. Another living creature is released at the command of the living creature in heaven, who says, come. And that seal represents famine, global famine. Verse 7, he snaps a fourth of the seven seals, and a voice comes from a living creature, says, come. Verse 8, I looked and there was a pale green horse. The horseman on it was named Death, and Hades was following after him. Death claims the body. Hades, hell, claims the soul. That's the dark duo. They are released to go out into the world. And we read that authority is given unto them over a fourth of the earth to kill by the sword, by famine, by plague, by wild animals of the earth. Mark it down in the margin. One fourth. So when Jesus snaps the first seal, if there are eight billion people living in the world, two billion of them die in a matter of weeks. Two, one quarter, two billion die. And I can say it reverently, that's just the warm-up. The fifth seal is broken and we meet a group of people in heaven who die, who are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. It probably involves also the Old Testament saints like Abraham, David, Moses, those that are not part of the body of Christ, the church. They too perhaps are involved in this because their spirits are in heaven, and they say, Lord, how long are you going to continue to put up with the mess on earth? How long are you going to permit people who caused our death to continue to rule and reign? And God says a strange thing to them. God says, give them ropes. So a white robe was given to each of them, and they were told to rest for a little while longer 
until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers who were going to be killed, just as they had been, would be completed. So there's still people going to be martyred on the earth during the rest of this seven-year period. And then he opens the sixth seal, and there's this violent earthquake, and you can read about all that happens. A traumatic and dramatic statement from heaven. People on the earth get the significance. They know where it comes from. You read in verse 15, the kings of the earth, the nobles, the mighty, the military commanders, the rich, the powerful, every slave, every person hid in the caves and among the rocks, the mountains. They cried to the mountains, to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of the ones sitting on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Strong word and appropriate here. People living on the earth sense their estrangement from God. They see the unleashing of his marvelous power, his incredible powers. They sense that a time of judgment has come. And they are scared beyond their wits. The great day of my text says, their wrath, that is the Father and the Son, the great day of their wrath has come. Who is able to stand? Chapter 7 answers that question. Come quickly to chapter 8. He opened the seventh seal. There was silence in heaven. As a teenager, I remember reading that and thinking, what, a, what an interesting thing that heaven would go silent. Since I'm no longer my teen years, I can tell you why heaven goes silent. Because heaven takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked or in the persecution of the redeemed. God's not happy about what he's doing. He's not doing this for glee and for joy. And heaven realizes the enormous burden of the wrath of God yet to be poured out in the rest of this period of seven years. He also knows that this is D-Day for many people. He loved so much and loved so much that he would die in their place for their sins. At this point, God may also be pondering, I'm sure you will be and I will be, how is it that the human heart can be so hard? How can people live with themselves, denying truth, rejecting reality, and cursing and swearing and resisting the God who made them in his image and seeks to lovingly forgive them. No wonder it's silent in heaven. That silence is broken by the prayers of the saints being released. And then there are seven angels who take seven trumpets and they prepare to sound. Look what happens now. The first angel blows his trumpet. 
Hail and fire mingled with blood were hurled to the earth. A third of the earth was burned up. A third of the trees were burned up. All the green grass was burned up. One of the ladies, part of our fellowship here at the church, lived right back to back. Her home is back to back. Where that house was in Arlington that blew up. You seen the pictures? Now that's one house. That's one house out of probably a thousand houses in that part of Upper Arlington. Only one. I'm impressed. What if one in every third of the houses there blew up like that? What if one in every three houses in the United States just poof, it's gone? Pretty frightening. The second angel blows his trumpet and something like a great mountain ablaze with fire was hurled into the sea and a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died and a third of the maritime ships were destroyed. Gone. Verse 10. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star blazing like a torch fell from heaven. It fell on a third of the rivers and springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood, and a third of the waters became Wormwood. This became bitter. So many of the people died from the waters. A third of all fresh water becomes poisoned. Many people die. Verse 12. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars. So a third of them were darkened, and a third of the day was without light, and the night as well. I don't know what that means. I know this. That will be epic. You know, they, we like to say, you know, one thing's sure, the sun's going to rise tomorrow morning. Oh, really? So the, the sun is on automatic pilot. It operates out of its own will and strength? No. No, in these four incredible demonstrations of his power, God asserts his primal power over everything he created. Think of that. Chapter 9 tells us that two of the other angels that have trumpets blow them. In chapter 9, the first part, there's a place in the center of our earth that's called uh, the abyss, sometimes translated bombless pit, and it has a key and it's locked. And when this fifth angel sounds his trumpet, a mighty angel is going to descend from heaven and unlock that abyss, open the abyss, and out of it are going to come flooding demons. Organized, fierce, 
and they will torment men seven months. The torment so strong that men will wish to die and not be able. Not sure what that means. The demons have the power to sustain their life and maintain their torment. Demons would like that. Demons don't like you. You're not on their side. And demons love human women. And they love human men. And they are very creative in the ways that they torment humans. The sixth angel with the trumpet blows it. And we read that there are four demon creatures who are locked up. Well, let's read it. Verse 13, the sixth angel blew his trumpet. And from the four horns of the gold altar, this before God, I heard a voice say to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels bound at the great river Euphrates. The fact that they are bound signals to us that these are not good guys. These are demon creatures of some of some power and authority, who tonight can't get at you, can't get at me, not just because we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, but because they're bound. They're like those other demon forces that are in the abyss. But here they are unleashed, and look what they do. We read in verse 15, so the four angels who were prepared for the hour, the day, the month, the year were released to kill a third of the human race. A third. Hmm, let's see. First four... From the 8 billion people, we went to 6 billion. Now we're going to take a third of those living. That's another 2 billion. So here, in less than 42 months, one half of the world's living population will be dead. And what will be the response of the vast majority of people living on the earth? Verse 20. The rest of the people who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands to stop worshiping demons, idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, wood. They're not able to see, not able to hear, not able to walk. Demons are very, very limited. Neither did these people repent of their murders, their sorceries, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. Bad news. Turn with me, please. Chapter 16. Actually, we should go to 15. Chapter 15. I saw another great and inspiring sight in heaven. Seven angels with seven last plagues, for with them God's wrath will be completed. So when these seven angels finish the execution of their assigned tasks, God will have made peace with the sins and iniquities of people who blaspheme him and want nothing to do with his grace and salvation. We read that these seven, seven angels, well, look at verse 7. One of the four living creatures gave the seven angels seven gold bowls filled with the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. There it is again. There it is again. This is not God on steroids. 
This is God on justice. Then the sanctuary was filled with smoke from God's glory and from his power. No one can enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. I take that to mean that no one will be saved during this period of time. That's my understanding of what that's symbolizing. So there may well be a period here in this second half of the seven years, toward the end of it, when God's grace and mercy to salvation will not be available. We do know for sure that anyone who accepts the mark of the beast in the hand and the forehead so that they can eat, so they can work, so they can travel, anyone who does that will never be saved. Never. They forever, ever disqualify themselves from the grace of God. Well, chapter 16, verse 1, I heard a voice from the sanctuary saying to seven angels, go pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. First one out and poured out his bowl on the earth, and severely painful sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped his image. That's a very personal, individual wrath of God. You chose to follow the demon-driven, false prince of peace, Satan's, Satan's fool. Very personal. And that mark, where that mark is, on those person's hands or forehead is where that sore is going to occur. And the words here are, are, are very tough. Poured out severely painful sores. The Greeks suggest that it's an ulcerated kind of incurable, painful sore. Verse 3, the second pours out his bowl into the sea. It turns to blood like a dead man's blood, and all, all life, all the octopuses, all the shrimpies, all the seals, all, all life in the sea die. If you want to see the mercy of God, you should read John's Gospel or his epistles. In this part of his apocalypse, we find only the unrelenting justice of God, and it is a frightening picture. But there's a blessing for those who read Revelation, and we're holding on to that promise. Today, we heard the middle segment of Jim's sermon, Heaven and Earth Shall Pass Away. If you'd like to get the entire message on CD, we'll be delighted to send it for your gift of $7 or more. The series is named With John on the Isle of Patmos, and all nine CDs can be yours for an offering of $34 or more. Whenever you click on the radio and hear Right Start coming through, you know that believers are still praying and giving to make this happen. Thank you, family. Your offerings of time and money are crucial to this work. If the Spirit lays Right Start on your heart, just be obedient to Him and we can minister His truth together. You can mail us at Right Start, P.O. Box 437, Worthington, Ohio, 43085, USA, or call 1-800-984-2313. That's 800-984-2313. And go to rightstartradio.org. 
There you'll see a photo of Pastor Jim and a lot of links. The links will take you to the library of past radio shows, a way to play or download complete sermons, and a way to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You'll see a link to email us, one to donate. I told you there are a lot of links. Come on by rightstartradio.org. And thanks for listening. I'm Dan Pope. We'll look at the final bowls of wrath tomorrow, and Jim will reconcile these fearsome judgments with the truth that God is a God of love. Please join us for Tuesday's Right Start. Thank you.